Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you guys so much for hopping on. What's up? Riley King, all the way from Dallas-Fort Worth. Miss Shavonica, Mike Wallace, watching from New Mexico. Pastor John, what's going on today? Kenda, everyone else that's on that I can't see your comments, let me know what you're, where you're watching from. I'd love to see how far the, uh, the stream is reaching. I'm looking at the TV now instead of the camera, so I've got to... Uh, Tristan put a TV up so I can literally see what's on the screen, and it's incredible. It's amazing, but I've got to train myself to look at the camera because if I just keep looking here, you guys are going to be like, what is he looking at? Oh, man. How's everyone doing this morning? I hope you guys are blessed. Hope you guys are blessed. If you're not, make sure to stick around and watch this broadcast. What just happened? That's my car? I don't know. There you go. My car just started going ballistic. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys are doing blessed today. Thank you guys so much for watching. When I ask you to go ahead and share the broadcast, uh, and if you're not watching on YouTube and you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, please make sure to do so. We are on our way to 30 subscribers. We're really moving up in the world. <laughs> um, and we're about 20 followers away from 100 on Facebook. Praise God. Um, so go ahead and share this broadcast. I forgot what I titled it. We're gonna, what does the Bible say about the rapture? We're going to go over the elementary fundamentals of the rapture uh, as the rapture is an elementary fundamental doctrine in Christianity according to Hebrews chapter 6, or Hebrews chapter 11. Verse I'm watching from the Spirit. Pastor John says, I'm watching from the third heavens right now. I'm like, Paul, I don't know if I'm having an out-of-body experience or I'm... What's going on? He said, I'm watching from the third heavens, and compared to the third heavens, this teaching sucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. God bless each and every one of you. We're going to go over the fundamental elementary principles of the rapture. I know Pastor John and I, if you guys watched Friday, was an excellent broadcast. We had, we had the uh, Bible connoisseur, you know, the, the Bible expert of sorts, come on and chit-chat with us about the rapture. It was an excellent broadcast Pastor John shares some, uh, some incredible insight about the rapture and the second coming and the revealing of the Antichrist. If you guys want to go back and watch that, make sure to go and do that. Give it a like. Share it with your friends. I genuinely believe that, the, that it's, it's, it's what the Holy Spirit's put in the body of Christ to be taught at this moment in time. Because everywhere you go, every minister that you listen to that's worth their weight in salt, right now they're teaching and preaching on the rapture. And, you know, I'm not just teaching and preaching on the rapture because someone else is. Um, my pastor taught on it, and when he taught on it, it lit a flame underneath me, and uh, I dove into it. So this is something that, you know, like my pastor says, um, this is something that I grew up thinking was uh, eschatology wasn't something that was an, a, an essential doctrine. It wasn't something that you had to learn. It was something that if you were uh, a, Bible, a Bible graduate or a seminary student, maybe then after about 30 years of being a seminary graduate, then you start getting into the rapture. Uh, I always used to think that the rapture had an age limit. Once you, once you turned 50 years old, then you started digging into eschatology and teaching and preaching on the rapture. Uh, genuinely, that was my thought. Because you think about it, who, who, the only people that were teaching and preaching the rapture are old men you know and I don't say old and you know in a, in, a, in a disrespectful or discriminative way but it's just 
age typically equals wisdom, and a lot of these older preachers uh, that have been around for a while and are worth their weight in salt, you know, they teach the rapture once or twice a year. Whereas, you know, these new young age pastors that wear skinny jeans, ripped jeans, and have fog machines, you, uh, you <laughs> Pastor John, <laughs> don't text me during the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to actually talk about uh, the rapture tonight. I'll quit ranting and <laughs> but I had a heart attack. I, I didn't read that message right, and I thought that that said, would you like to die tonight? <laughs> I was like, what? I didn't know what that said. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, this is why we can't get people to watch the broadcast. I'm just kidding. I do want to just thank you guys, each and every one of you that have watched broadcasts. Some of you have watched every single broadcast. I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful for each and every one of you. Miss Shavonica, you're always here. You're incredible. Very humble servant of the Lord. We, I love you, Miss Shavonica. Kenda, always either catching us live or on the replay like an absolute baller. And then we have my good friend, Riley and David King, who are with us all the way from Dallas, Fort Worth. And then, of course, we have one man who has never missed a single broadcast, not a single second of any broadcast that we've done. His name is Tristan White, and uh, he is the king of broadcast viewing and broadcast production. So everything that you're seeing and hearing, it looks good and it sounds good because it is a Tristan White production. And I just want to take a second and brag on, brag on him. Not that he does it to be bragged on, but he is awesome. He is amazing. We love him, and not to mention, he's not just a, a production man. He's good on the other side of the microphone as well. Uh, if you guys haven't followed, is it Tristan White Ministries? Now, there's going to be a weird, nerdy white guy that pops up. Now, Tristan is a nerdy white guy, but this guy is even nerdier looking, okay? So don't click on that guy. This guy looks like he's, uh, that his fashion, he got his fashion sense from the 1912s. This, that's not the Tristan White Ministries that you want to follow. And Miss Jessica, Miss Jessica watching from Huntington, Texas is always here. I love you guys. I love this community. I really do. And, you know, I know that it's mostly kind of consisting of our church family. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. But even the couple of you that uh, aren't a part of our church family, I actually want to go ahead and take a moment to encourage you. If you don't have a good word of faith church in your area and you are not within driving distance of Huntington, Texas, I want to tell you something. A good church is worth moving across the country for. If this church were in uh, Tennessee, if, it, if this church wasn't here, I wouldn't have a church to go to because there's not another church in our area that preaches sound doctrine all the way through and through that are Holy Ghost Pentecostal churches. And so um, I don't just say that, you know, to try to build our church, but if this church wasn't here, I'd probably move to Tampa Bay or I'd probably move to wherever the closest word of faith, full gospel church is. The, a good church is worth moving across the country for. So if our church is your primary source of Bible and teaching, I want to go ahead and encourage you. You don't even really have to pray about it. I just want to encourage you to go ahead and start making plans to move down here. Uh, the, 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 the housing market down here is not too crazy right now. Go ahead and buy you a house. Um, my wife and I are going to have one coming up for rent for soon, uh, here real soon, because we're looking at buying another house just because uh, the one that we're in right now is a fantastic house. We're very thankful for it. But the size of it, uh, it, it it's a really small house. So, And we may or may not be praying about kids. Maybe I shouldn't say that on the broadcast. I don't know. 
my wife knows that I love her and I respect her and I would never intentionally say anything, you know, that she wouldn't want me to say. So if you guys will take out your Bibles, get something to take notes with because today is a note taken broadcast. Today is not a Tanner's Holy Rant broadcast where he just talks about random things. Um, today is a, a topic that you really want to make sure that you listen to thoroughly and you take good, intricate notes because the notes that I have right here, I mean, look at all the notes that I have right here. These are notes that I took while studying the rapture, and now I'm using these notes that I took studying the rapture to now teach the rapture. And so if you take good enough notes, if you take good enough notes, you may even be able to be teaching this stuff here before too long. Hey, what's going on? Naranjo Nation, Arizona. What's up, Jay Joey? God bless you. Hope you're having a blessed day today. We're going to be talking about what does the Bible say about the rapture? Pastor John says people get intimidated because it's such a big, it's such a huge subject, so they just stray away from it instead of taking the time to dig in and uncover the truth. And I'm going to say this. After this teaching today, I have two goals with this teaching. Number one is so that you can, so that you're not ignorant of the rapture and what the Bible has to say about it. But number two, so that you understand that it's not as hard of a, a subject to study and to, and to understand as you think it is. You know, when I, when, like I said, I used to hear people teach on the rapture, and once I heard the rapture or the end times or eschatology, I would just tune out, right? And I didn't even really give it a chance, but then I, start, I listened to my pastor teach it, and I was like, man, this is actually a lot more simple than I thought it would be. And uh, I don't know, it, it, it's just such a big subject, and it's, obvious, uh, it's honestly a controversial subject. Not that the rapture is a controversial subject. Most sane Christians that have the Holy Ghost believe that there is a rapture, there will be a rapture. But the divide in the issue is when the rapture will take place in accordance to the tribulation. And that's where the great divide is. A lot of people believe before. Uh, most people believe before. Some people believe uh, in the middle. Very, I've never met anybody that's mid-trip. And then we have uh, the other majority of people who believe in a post-tribulation rapture. And so you may hear those terms and you may say, oh God, here it goes. I'm already confused. No, don't, 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 don't do that. Number one, you have the mind of Christ. You can understand any and everything that's in this word. Amen. So I want to encourage you today to get out something to take notes with and take notes well. I'm going to teach this in a way that a third grader can understand it because that's the way that I needed it taught to me. And uh, so, if you will, go ahead and take out your Bibles, take out something to take notes with, and we're going to study the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. I want to go ahead and pray before we get into today's broadcast. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is the final authority, that if it says it, that settles it. Lord, I thank you that there is no preconceived ideas or notions or, uh, uh, or, or, or anything like that being, being spewed out on this broadcast today, only the black and white print of your word. Lord, I thank you that you're going to be with every single believer that's listening to this teaching today, and I thank you that they have the mind of Christ and that they can, they can have everything that this word says they can have. And so I thank you for understanding. I thank you for wisdom. I thank you for the spirit of, of, of studiousness to come over every single person, and everyone would come to this broadcast uh, with, the, with the thought, I can learn something today. I thank you so much for the awesome things that's going to take place on this broadcast. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. What does the Bible say about the rapture? <clears throat> Number one thing I want you to write down 
And here's the thing, and here's why we're writing some of this down. I'm going to kind of dissect some of the misconceptions about the rapture, some of the, some of the attempted but futile refutes that people try to use against the rapture. And the very first one is, well, the word rapture is never in the Bible. And it would flabbergast you to find this out, but the Bible wasn't actually written in modern English. The Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew. The Bible wasn't written in English, and the word rapture is an English word. And so the first thing that you can write down is that the word rapture is in fact in the Bible. Let me show it to you. The Latin translation of this word, of the word that is used for the word rapture, uh, or the Greek word that, that, that we get the word rapture from is the word harpazo, H-A-R-P-A-Z-O. The Greek word for the word catching away is harpazo, which means to snatch or take away. Let me actually go ahead and read this verse. For this we say to you, this is 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18. Let me read it for you. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive will remain until the coming of the Lord and not precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So that word right there, caught up. In the original Greek translation, now we're, we're, we're attacking and asserting the comment that's, known, that's very commonly made. The word rapture is never in the Bible. And that word right there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, uh, says this. They shall be caught up. That word caught up is where we get the Greek word harpazo. And decay, it means to, to snatch or to take away. And so you may say, well, that word doesn't sound anything close to the word rapture. That's okay. We've got one more dialect we've got to go through. The word harpazo is the Greek word for the, this, to snatch or to catch away that we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. And that word is derived from the Latin word rapturo, R-A-P-T-U-R-O. And that is where we get the English word rapture. And that word rapture means to snatch or to take away suddenly. To snatch or to take away suddenly. And so that I wanted to get that kind of out of the way because there are a lot of people that are hung up on the fact that the word rapture is never in the Bible. And because the word rapture is never in the Bible, then that must mean that the rapture is a false doctrine. A lot of people will also say that the rapture was, some, uh, was something that John Darby came up with in the 1980s or whatever, whatever they want to say. The truth of the matter is, is I, I've read the Bible in the, 19, in the 1883 edition, and everything that's in my Bible today, this 2021 Bible, is in that Bible. So anybody who tries to tell you that, the, that you can't trust the Word of God because it's been added to or taken away from, the, the, the Lord says that He'll make sure that He preserves His holy Word. So we have God's Word, and everything that He intended to be in this Bible is in this Bible. You know what else isn't in the Bible? The word Bible. <laughs> so does that mean that we should just throw the word Bible out the window? No, it does. we shouldn't. The word rapture is in the Bible, but just not in English. If you read the Greek translation, that word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, is a Greek word, harpazo, which means to snatch or to catch away suddenly. And then that's where we get, uh, that word is derived from uh, the Latin word, Rapturo, 
And that's where we get the English word rapture. So, just wanted to give you some simple, some simple, uh, I guess you could say, some simple apologetics on the rapture, on the word rapture. Because a lot of people, like I say, will just say it's never in the Bible. The term Trinity is never in the Bible. But we do know that the concept and the principle of the triune Godhead is all throughout the Bible. 1 John, or John 1.1, Genesis 1.27. It's all throughout the Bible, the baptism of Jesus. Just because the word isn't in there does not mean that the concept is not in there. So, and the same can be said about rapture. Anyway, let's move on before I get on to this really long, nerdy theological trail. And that's exactly what I promised you we wouldn't do today. So we're not going to. So, what does the Bible say about the rapture? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 through 18. I know that we've already read it once, but it's, worth, it's so nice you've got to read it twice. Amen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 through 18. So, the number one question that you need to write down, what is the rapture and who is being raptured? Point number one. What is the rapture and who is being raptured? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. All right, so I want to break a few things down. So what is the rapture of the church? The rapture of the church is where the church of God, the saints, will be caught up together in the clouds with Jesus Christ. Now I want to break a few things down before we move on because it's important to dissect this scripture. So the first thing we need to break down is for we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who are asleep. So who are those that are asleep? Those that are asleep, are it's very simple, basic. Just listen. Basic, basic, basic. Who are those who are asleep? Those that have died as, as Christians. Those that have died that has, had, has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and they're on the way to heaven. So those that are dead in Christ aren't actually dead, but they're just asleep until the rapture of the church. That who we also are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from the heavens with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So, what is the rapture of the church according to scripture? The rapture of the church is where Jesus meets us. Jesus comes down from heaven into the sky, he doesn't touch down on earth. The rapture is not the second coming. Write that down. What is the rapture not? It's not the second coming. The rapture and the second coming are two separate events. The second coming takes place after the seven years of tribulation. Well, not directly after, but uh, takes place after the seven years of tribulation. And the rapture happens before the seven years of tribulation. 
And so there are two separate events. And in this event, the rapture is where Jesus comes down from heaven into the sky and he resurrects those who are dead in Christ. They'll, 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 they'll ascend first. Their physical bodies will raise up from the grave and go meet Christ in the air. And then those of us who are still alive in Christ will go along with him and meet Christ into the air. So what is the rapture of the church? There's three different things. Number one, the rapture of the church is a signless event. There's lots of different things, like the second coming of Christ. There's signs for that. But the rapture is an event that could take place at any time, that could take place in any moment, and that can take place without us when we least expect it. The Bible says that Jesus should come like a thief in the night. So let me just ask you a question. Does a thief come to your house three hours before he robs your house and leave a post-it note on the door letting you know that he's coming. No, he just comes and he breaks into your home and he steals everything and then he's gone. In the same way, according to the scripture, that's how Jesus will come and rapture his church. It'll be as a thief in the night, unexpected. People will be, people will be buying, selling, trading, getting married. Uh, life will be happening as, as normal and then all of a sudden there'll be a flash and boom, we're in the clouds with Jesus. So a couple of other things to note. Number one, those who are asleep in Christ will rise up and meet Christ in the clouds. Those who have died before, who had confessed the name of Jesus Christ, who have called on the name of the Lord, who have believed in their mouth or believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they will rise first, and then all living Christians will meet Christ in the clouds as well. So what is the rapture? It is, it is, let me just put it to you like this. It is Jesus coming to get the righteous. Jesus is coming back to the earth and he's snatching up his church. He's getting his church out. Now, that's what is the rapture. But when does the rapture take place? Why is Jesus snatching his church out? Why is Jesus catching his church away? This is important. Why is Jesus catching his church away? And here's the answer. Because the very next event to follow is the seven years of tribulation. And it'll be the, the worst seven years that the world has ever seen. What is the seven years of tribulation? The seven years of tribulation is where God himself pours out his wrath on the wicked and the unjust. You know, a lot of people think that right now we're experiencing judgment from God. We're experiencing the wrath of God. No, sir. What we're experiencing is we're experiencing the fall of man. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve decided to sin, you've got to understand, before the sin entered the world, there was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no poverty, there was no infirmity, iniquity, anything of that nature. But when sin entered the world, the consequences of sin followed it. So I want you to write this down. We are not experiencing the judgment of God. And sin has its own personal payload of consequences. Sickness and disease is all a byproduct of sin. Poverty is a byproduct of sin. Amen? And so the answer to the question, why, what is Jesus snatching his church away for? So that the seven years of tribulation can take place, which leads us to our next point. And this is incredibly important and this is where people get so lost and so confused, but the Bible tells us very clearly that the tribulation, that the rapture of the church happens before the tribulation. 
a good terminology for it, is a pre-tribulation rapture is what is prominently found in the scriptures. There's no proof for a mid or a post-tribulation rapture. I heard people say that the, that the proof for the post-tribulation rapture, which means the tribulation coming before the rapture, which means the church will have to endure the wrath of God, which we'll talk about why that's not biblical and how that doesn't make sense. What they'll use is they'll say, well, the Bible says he who endures to the end shall be saved. No, that Bible verse is talking about he who endu- endures in righteousness till the end of his life will be saved. Not talking about physically being rescued from the, from, uh, from, from the wrath of God. It's talking about enduring until the end of your life uh, and then you die and then you go to heaven and you'll be saved. So write this down. The church will be raptured before the tribulation. And we'll get into the tribulation uh, probably Wednesday or Friday. The rapture happens before the tribulation. If you want to turn to your Bibles, turn with me uh, into your Bibles to Revelations 3.10. I'll prove it to you real quick, very quickly. Revelations 3.10. The rapture takes place before the tribulation. And before you get mad and offended, hear this teaching out. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, because you have kept my word of patience, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the entire world to test those who dwell on the earth. So Christ promises if you keep his word that he'll keep you from the great tribulation, from the great test. What is that? The seven years of tribulation where God pours out his wrath and judgment on the earth. Revelation 3.10, very clear. That, that if we keep God's word and we're, and we're in Christ, that we will not have to endure what the, what the wicked has to endure. Another scripture that I want you to turn to is Matthew chapter 13, verse 27. The rapture will happen before the tribulation. The rapture will happen before the tribulation. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 is where we're going to start. And this is Jesus speaking, and Jesus is get doing is 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 doing the uh, the parable of the weeds. Jesus is talking here. I, I feel like Jesus is a pretty important character in the Bible, if I do say so myself. I might be wrong though. <laughs> Don't think I am. Matthew chapter twenty, uh, Matthew chapter thirteen, verse twenty-four. He then told another parable, saying, "This the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field." But while the man slept, his enemy came and sowed weed amongst the wheat and went away. But when the, sh- when the shoots had sprung up and produced fruit, the weeds also appeared. So the servants in the la- of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you plant, did you not sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weed come from? He said to them, An enemy did this. Then the servant said to them, Will you have us go out and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the weeds, you pull up also the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather up the weeds first, then bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So I want to I I break this down because this is some revelation that will really change the way that you look 
at the way that you live life, if, if, if it revelates with you the same way that it revelates with me. So the kingdom of heaven is like, okay, when Jesus gives parables, he's telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's given us a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So here, who is the man? God is the man. Who is the seed? We're the seed. And who is, what is the field? The earth is the field, okay? But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed weed amongst the wheat and went away. What is the weed? Sin, unbelief, doubt, the things that would corrupt a believer. But when the shoots had sprung up and produced fruit, the weeds also appeared. So what we have is we have we have God, uh, Jesus explaining what God has done in creation. He's created the world. He created the field. And then he sowed good seed, Adam and Eve, into the, uh, into the world. And then what happens was an enemy came while the men were sleeping, while the men were, were, did, were, uh, were down on their guard, and sowed weed amongst the weeds, meaning that the devil sowed sin and deception amongst Adam and Eve. Amen? And this is what it says. What, what, what should we do? Will you have us go and gather them up? But this is what he said. No, lest while you gather up the weeds, you pull up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. What is the harvest? The rapture of the church. The end. The greatest harvest of all time is when Jesus comes back for his church and harvests his church and we meet him in the clouds. So let both grow together, meaning let both coexist together until the harvest. And then at the time of harvest, I'll say to the reaper, gather up the weeds first and bind them in the bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So how is this proof of a pre-tribulation rapture, of a rapture that takes place before the tribulation? And here's why. Jesus will not burn the tares while the wheat is amongst it. Jesus does not punish the righteous amongst the wicked. The, the tribulation will happen, I mean, the, the rapture will happen before the tribulation. How do we know that? According to Matthew 13, 27, and according to several other passages in the scripture, that Jesus does, God does not judge the righteous amongst the wicked. You can write that down. Jesus will not burn the tares while the wheat is still among it, or I read the wrong translation. Jesus will not burn the weeds while the wheat is still among it. And then I want you to write this. The wheat is harvested before the tares are burned. So, what is the rapture? Jesus coming back and snatching his church away before the seven years of tribulation. It's where we go and we meet him in the clouds. And when does it happen? It happens before the tribulation and the tribulation is the second to next thing that happens on the prophetic time clock. Praise God. So the, the tribulation will happen, uh, the, the, the tribulation will take place after the church. 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 through 7. Let's go there. I've got plenty of proof, guys. You're like, oh my God, he's going to prove a whole doctrine off of two scriptures? No. <laughs> I've got, I keep, the, I keep that thing on me, you know what I'm saying? We keep them theological proofs on us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. This is, the, this is literally, this is the sole proof of a pre-tribulation rapture. Do not remember, do you not remember what I, uh, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? 
Now you know what restrains him that he might be revealed in his time. So who is him, uh, the Antichrist? Now you know what restrains him that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already working. So who is this scripture talking about? Because a lot of people, I've heard people say that the scripture is talking about Jesus. But the, 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 who is this scripture talking about? Well, let's look at verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already working. So we know it's not talking about anyone who's righteous. We know, we're not, we know it's not talking about uh, the second coming of Christ. Um, it says, now you know what, what restrains him that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already of working. So who is being restrained according to the scripture? Let scripture interpret scripture here. Don't ever let Charles Spurgeon interpret scripture for you. Although I think Charles Spurgeon is an okay guy. Don't let your pastor interpret scripture for you. Let scripture interpret scripture all the time and you'll build good solid doctrine. That's a good nugget to, to, to building good solid uh, biblically sound fundamental doctrine is letting scripture interpret scripture. So right here, who is being restrained according to chapter seven for the mystery of the of lawlessness is already working. Only he who, res, who is, who is now restraining him will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one, the lawless one will be revealed. So we now have a clear cut proof that this is talking about the antichrist. The spirit of lawlessness, the lawless one. We know that this is talking about the Antichrist. So how is this proof for a pre-tribulation rapture? Let me prove it to you. Now you know that what restrains him, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of the lawless one is already working secretly. Only he who is restraining him will do so until he is taken out of the way. Okay? So the rise of the Antichrist is what is what starts the seven years of tribulation. But the Antichrist can't even be revealed, much less rise to power, until the one who is restraining him is taken out of the way. Now you may say, who is the one restraining the Antichrist? And the answer to that question is very, very simple. There's only three possibilities, uh, three different theological views. Number one, the government. Number two, the Holy Ghost, and number three, the church. Well, we know it's not the government because uh, in the middle of the seven years tribulation, uh, the, it's a man of government who breaks his peace pact with, with, with Israel, with Jerusalem. We know that government is still at work uh, as, the, uh, as everything in the very end and the end is happening. We know that the way that the Antichrist is going to rise to power and he's going to form a one world government, meaning though this one man will raise up and what he says is how is, 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 is what goes. He'll be a one world leader of a one world government. So we know it's not the government that is restraining the Antichrist. And we know that the government is not restraining any kind of lawlessness. Amen. Hallelujah. We know that the government is not restraining any kind of lawlessness because let me tell you, abortion is legal. That's lawlessness. It might not be lawlessness according to the law of the land, but according to the law of God, which is the true law, it is lawlessness. And the government has deemed abortion legal. Homosexuality, according to the Bible, is an abomination to God. Not my own words, the Bible's words. The, yet the, the, the law of the land has deemed it not lawlessness. 
And so we know it's not the government. And so the second one may be, okay, well, if it's not the government, then it's got to be the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit, how many of you know the Holy Spirit has the power to restrain the Antichrist? That's true. He does have the power. But think about it this way. During, before, before eternity... And before the new heavens and the new earth, 144,000 Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel will be saved. Well, the Bible says that no man should know God except by his spirit, right? So we know that it's not the Holy Spirit because the, the, the Antichrist has already come to power when the 144,000 uh, Jews from the, uh, the, tri the 12 tribes of Israel are being saved. Amen? So we know it's not the government, and we know it's not the Holy Spirit, so it's got to be the church. And who is the church? You and me. Amen? So we know that the one that restrains the Antichrist is the church. So how do we know that the, that the tribulation comes after, that the rapture comes before the tribulation? And that's this verse right here. Now you know what restrains him and that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work secretly. Only he who is now restraining him will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed. So, how do we know that the rapture will happen before the tribulation? Because the rise of the Antichrist is what triggers, triggers the seven years of tri tribulation. And we know that the Antichrist cannot rise until the restrainer is taken out of the way. Who is the restrainer? The church is the restrainer. And the rapture, what, how are we taken out of the way? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 15, verse 18. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Then those who are asleep in Christ will rise up and meet Christ in the clouds. And then all living Christians will meet Christ in the clouds as well. And then after that takes place, the rapture of the church takes place, the restrainer is now out of the way, and now the Antichrist can come to power and do everything that the Bible prophesies that he's going to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. And also, I want to say this, Christ is going to receive a glorious and victorious bride, not a beat up beat down, defeated bride, which would be what we would be if we had to endure the wrath of God. Amen. I don't know if you've read Revelation chapter 6 through 16, but I want that to be your homework today. Read Revelation chapter 6 through, uh, through, through chapter 16. And then I want you to tell me whether or not you, according to reading, uh, you know, judging through the lens of scripture, whether or not you think God would put his children through that. Amen. So the rapture will come before the tribulation. Praise God. Are you guys are you guys learning some stuff today? I feel like this teaching today was, you know, I'm I'm already mostly finished with my teaching, but I feel like today's teaching was very simple, very short, sweet, and to the point, which is what I want to do with these with this series. I I hate that word. And and the second it comes out of my mouth, God always makes me preach something different the next time. So but uh I do want to teach on all of the end times. I do want to teach on the, the second coming of Christ, the rise of the Antichrist, bat, the final battle, the great white throne of judgment, the new heaven and new earth, eternity, all those different things. But I want to teach on them one event at a time so that you can understand and you can come to the realization uh, of what the Bible says about these end times. And so I do want to say this. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up by summarizing. What is the rapture? 
The rapture is Jesus Christ coming back for his church and snatching his church up, resurrecting those that are dead in Christ and those that are still alive will, be, uh, will, will ascend into the clouds with Jesus. That's the rapture. The rapture is a signless event, meaning it can take place at any time. It can take place without notice, and it will take place without notice. And that's important to understand because what a lot of people think is going to take place is that they're going to hear, and then they're going to have a, a, a five or ten minutes to get right with God, and then God's going to, Jesus is going to rapture them up and is going to take them away, and everything's going to be good. That's not what's going to take place. The rapture, if you wish to be... Uh, if you wish to be saved and be taken up in the rapture, you need to be saved. Make sure that you're right with God at all times. Now, there, it, there will be opportunities for you to get saved after the rapture, but I guarantee you, and, I, and, you'll, and you'll know why. Let this, be, this can be a hook for next week. But uh, if you get saved after the rapture, you more than likely will be martyred and watch your children be martyred. So, I don't know about you, but I would much rather prefer my wife and I go ahead and take the first train out of here than take the second train out of here. I mean, praise God, we'll all go to heaven, and it'll be great, and it'll be marvelous, and it'll be wonderful. We'll get to reign with, with Christ for a thousand years, the new heavens and the new earth, eternity, all that thing. It'll be marvelous, it'll be great, but I guarantee you, you don't want to watch your kids get martyred uh, for Christ. And so... Uh, that's why it's important to understand that the rapture is a signless event, meaning it can happen at any time. It's like, it's like that Taco Bell number four. At any time, with no sign, you're running to the bathroom. Just kidding. Lord, forgive me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It can take place at any time. The rapture is one, when those who are asleep in Christ will rise up and meet Christ in the clouds. Then number two, then all living Christians will meet Christ in the clouds as well. We know that the church will be raptured before the tribulation. Important that you write that down. The church will be raptured before the tribulation. You can write down Revelations 3.10, Matthew 13.27, and 2 Thessalonians 2.6-7. We know that the restrainer has to be removed before the man of lawlessness or the Antichrist or the son of perdition, whatever it is you want to call them, whatever your translation says. We know that the restrainer has to be removed in order for the Antichrist to come to power. And according to the prophetic time clock, uh, which is the Bible, the, the rise of the Antichrist takes direct place after the, after the rapture. And then the rise of the Antichrist is what triggers the seven years tribulation. So praise God for that simple teaching today. I pray that you learned something. I pray that this spoke to your spirit. Uh, but I, I want to I wanna go ahead and read you Matthew chapter 24, verse 44. If you will, throw that slide up on the screen. Because here's the thing. We may disagree over mid-trib, post-trib, pre-trib, whatever it is that you want to believe. But one thing is certain. We need to be ready at all times. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So you must be ready all the time, meaning you, you don't need to not be ready and then just, you know, be like somebody that's standing on the edge of a diving board waiting to dive in at the last second to throw up a Hail Mary and then maybe you'll be saved. No, the Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 44, that you should be ready all the time, meaning get saved, get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues, receive power from on high. 
and then walk out your salvation from now until the end of time. I believe, you know, and we'll talk about this in the next uh, in the next broadcast, but I believe that we will see the return of Christ in our lifetime. Not only in our lifetime, I feel like we've we don't have much time left at all. I feel like we're not in the last hours or in the last minutes, but the last seconds of time. And so, I just want to go ahead and ask you, want to make sure if you're on this broadcast today and you say Evangelist Tanner, I don't 100% know that I'm ready for the rapture. I don't know if Jesus were to blow that trumpet, if I were to meet him in the air, or if I would have to stick around for the seven years tribulation. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God loves you, and he loves you so much that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believeth on him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Your sin separates you from God and is a staircase straight to hell. But the Bible says that for we know that true love is this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible also says that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. What does it mean to become the righteousness of God? To be righteous means to be justified. It means that it doesn't matter whether you sinned 10 minutes ago or what, that you are righteous and that you are right. You have a right standing before the Lord and only the righteous will inherit the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus made a way for you to be righteous before God. And the Bible says that all you have to do is can believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord and that God rose him from the dead and you shall be saved. God also says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're watching this broadcast today, I just preach the gospel to you. Um, all, the Bible says that all you have to be, do to be, to be saved is to believe the gospel message, confess with your mouth, believe with your heart that salvation comes by grace through faith, not by good works, lest any man should boast. You cannot earn your salvation. Your works do not earn your salvation. Your works are merely a result of your salvation. And so if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, you say, that's me. I don't know whether or not I'd be raptured or I'd have to stick around for the tribulation. And I want to give my life to Jesus. I want you to pray this simple but effective prayer with me. And your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. And you will go with myself and Tristan and all those that are watching. You will go with us into the clouds to meet Jesus Christ in the greatest, in the greatest announcement of victory of all time. I want you to say this, God, I admit and confess that I'm a sinner in need of your grace. I believe that you died for me so that my sins could be forgiven and so that I may be made righteous before you. I believe that you were born of a virgin, that you lived a perfect sinless life, and you died on a cross, the sinner's death. I believe that you took my punishment and I accept the free gift of salvation. Now I want you to say this. I want you to say, come into my heart. Put to death my old sinful self and resurrect your spirit on the inside of me. Place your spirit on the inside of me. I confess with my mouth. And I believe with my heart that you are Lord and that God rose you from the dead. And I believe you're coming back again one day. And I believe that day is very, very soon. And I can't wait. Say this. I can't wait to meet you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now, I want you to just shout this at the top of your lungs if you just got saved. I don't care if you're in a Walmart parking lot or you're in the Walmart Taco Bell bathroom. I want you to sing. sing. <laughs> I want you to yell at the top of your lungs, I am saved, and there's nothing the devil can do about it. Now, hallelujah. Now, I want you to dance wherever you're at and praise God that your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hell is no longer your portion, but heaven is your portion. You'll walk on the streets of gold. You'll enjoy the, fe- the finest of feasts. And you'll have a mansion waiting for you in heaven when you die. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you got saved today, I want you to, uh, you don't have to put it in the comments. You can message our ministry page, uh, Victory for Today on Facebook. Or you can just leave a comment on the YouTube video. And I'd like to put some material in your hand that will help you take the next steps in your relationship with God. I think it's important to catch fish, but it's also equally important to clean fish. Amen. Praise God. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Did you pray with Evangelist Tanner? Please. That's awesome. Love that. Praise God. I, be- I-, I want to put some material in your hand. Seriously, because being praying the prayer one time, it, 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 you know, it, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're saved. But the Bible says that the devil, he, he, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so you have to, the Bible also says, remain in Christ, and Christ shall remain in you. So you also have a responsibility from this point on to continue in your relationship with Christ. And I want to put some materials, some reading materials in your hand that will help you do just that. Discipleship is an incredibly important thing. It's the most important thing, in my opinion. Um, and if you don't have a church you don't go to church, I want you to, uh, I want you to look up full gospel churches in my area and call and ask them three questions. Do you believe in speaking in tongues and the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you believe in the pre-tribulation rapture? (laughs) That's, you know, that is important, but not, that's not, you know. (laughs) And then number three, did you close your church down during the pandemic? And if they say yes to the first two and and no to to the last one, you found yourself a decent church. So, I love you guys so much. Uh, I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to give. But before I do that, I want you to go ahead and throw that, uh, throw that calendar up there on the screen so that I can show you what you're giving towards. The month of March is going to be a busy one, praise God. But busy is good because busy produces results in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah, Tristan. <laughs> Tristan's like, I didn't hear a word you said. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hallelujah. So as you guys see, Mondays through Wednesday. We have uh, we pray for revival in the park. There's a park here in Huntington, Texas that we're going to be going to at 10 p.m. We're going to be praying for revival there. And then at the end of the month uh, or at the beginning of the next month, I'm going to shoot for a large tent revival out there. We don't know for a fact or for sure. It's not solidified. Uh, it's not solidified in, in the date yet, but we are going to have a, a big tent crusade uh, revival meeting out there in this park. So we're going to pray for a month straight, three days a week at 10 p.m., an hour long apiece probably, um, for revival in the park. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we obviously have the broadcast, which you wonderful people get to be a part of. Um, And I'm loving these broadcasts more and more. Uh, and I know you are too. Thank you guys so much for those of you that are faithfully watching every, every single time. And then every Saturday starting uh, the 13th or the 12th, is that the 12th? Yeah, the, the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th, we're going to have uh, 
outreaches at Pinewood Apartments at 12 p.m. So we've got a busy month, and that's not to mention Monday through Friday we go soul winning with our church. We do, we do noon prayer with our church, and then Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we have revival meetings at the church. So uh, we also, just to share you guys a testimony, if you want to pan the camera back, just to share a testimony with you guys. You know, God is not a God which should, he should be mocked. You'll always reap what you sow. And so if you're believing God for a financial harvest, then you've got to sow a financial seed. If you'd like for banana tree to grow in your garden or in your yard, you've got to plant banana seeds. You don't plant apple seeds and pray for bananas. You can pray all you want to. It's not going to happen. Amen. Unless for some reason you're, you're showing down with the prophet of Baal and God makes it happen. But, uh, but even then, I still don't think he would do that because it's against his, the principle of his word. But if you're believing God for a financial harvest, and I, and I mean a big one, I want to encourage you to sow a financial seed today. Um, every single penny that you give will go into the ministry. And as you can see, there's a lot of stuff that we got going on um, and a lot to sow towards. But if you, just, if you say, I, I'm believing God for a financial harvest and a, a financial miracle, I want to encourage you to sow a seed today. Sow a sacrificial seed today. If you're believing God for, for uh, new levels in your finances, sow a new level seed. Anybody that sows over $1,000 today, not including monthly partnerships, anybody who gives an offering of over $1,000 today, I'm going to send you a Victory for Today custom leather-bound Bible. Um, it'll be the first and only one that we've ever made. Uh, so if you, if you want to give, uh, if you give over $1,000, not only will you receive your financial harvest because you're sowing seed into the ground, and the Bible says for as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest should remain, but you're also going to get a pretty cool Victory for Today Covenant Partner Bible, and it's going to be sick. It's going to be awesome. I've got one coming in already, and it, it looks amazing. It smells amazing, and I couldn't even smell it, and I'm just playing. But if you guys want to give, you can do so on the ways on the screen, Victory for Today. Also, you can give at www.victoryfortodayministries.com. If you can't find the website, don't fret. Just go to our Facebook. The link to the website is in the bio and you can do that way. Uh, or you can give via check, and you can send it to 206 South Arkansas Street, Huntington, Texas, 75949. Make the check payable to Victory for Today Ministries. I um, want to encourage you guys. Um, you know, we've, we've received about $30,000 in the last month into this ministry. And, and, and it's not so we can drive nice cars, live in nice houses. It's, so, it's because I genuinely believe that what God's about to do in our city and in our state and in our nation is so big. And it's going to require lots of lots of lots of resources. And so that's why we're asking you to sow today, number one, so you, for you, but also because it does help the ministry. Although, you know, the Bible says, although man receives it on earth, God receives it in heaven. But we definitely receive it here on the earth. And we appreciate those of you that give. Want to give a special shout out to some of you on here that, that give every single month. Miss Shavonica, thank you so much for your giving. Miss Jessica, I know you're on here as well. Uh, Riley, thank you so much for giving. Miss Kenda, I know you give as well. Thank you guys so much. If I miss anybody, please don't be offended. That's all that I saw. Mr. Mike, want to thank you guys so much. Some of you, you just, you give so much and, and God honors that. And God, you know, it's like, I love how Tristan says it, just like for Cornelius, when you give, you're putting a spotlight on you from heaven. And, uh, 
Man, it, I, I, I just can't wait to see some of, your, some of your testimonies from giving because I know our testimonies, we've been given a $14,000 tent. We've been given close to, I don't know, and I, you can correct me. I know you're on here watching, but close to $10,000 worth of chairs, sound equipment, banners, uh, lights, different things like that, um, and then also a trailer. So we, we've, we've received close to thirty grand uh, in the past couple of weeks. But we've also been sowing like madmen. We've also been giving like madmen. Um, I gave the biggest seed that I've ever given in my life to evangelist, the evangelist that came to our church. And it wasn't just because I wanted to bless him. Yeah, it was because I wanted to bless him. But it was also because I wanted to put seed in the ground. You know, God says, God, I, I believe that when, we, that when we take what's in our hand and put it in God's hand, he multiplies it. I don't just believe that. I know that. And so I want to encourage you today, seriously, even if you're not in financial need, even if you're saying, I'm not in need, I'm in overflow, baby. I am connected to the unending supply of finances in heaven. Praise God. But if you're believing God to go to that next level, I want to encourage you to sow a seed today into this ministry. I'm telling you, very, very fertile soil. We have testimonies uh, coming from all over the place. I remember the first time a guy gave us a check. It was a $1,500 check. That's the biggest check that this ministry uh, had received, and uh, he gave us the check, and he said the very next day he turned around and someone had handed him a $3,000 check. So he saw his check come back times two, and I believe that that's what God will do for you today if you give. I don't normally say that, and uh, I don't want to build doctrine on it, but I do believe that today if you give, you're sowing into extra fertile soil, and you, you can expect a speedily harvest in Jesus' name. Well, God bless you as you give. Don't miss this opportunity to give. Don't miss it. Don't miss it today. Don't miss this opportunity to give uh, and miss your opportunity for a harvest. I love you guys. I want to pray for you guys as you give. God, thank you so much for those that are giving, those that are giving out of, uh, out of their abundance and those that are giving out of poverty. God, you said that the widow's two mites gave more than any of the rich men did. God, because she gave out of our poverty. So I pray that you'd bless those that are giving out of their poverty today and those that are giving out of their abundance today and that they both have the same result by giving today that they'll reap a harvest and they'll, you'll pour out a blessing on them so big that they won't even be able to contain it. And it's in Jesus' name. I, I confess and prophesy it comes back to you 30, 60, and 100 fold today in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Well, God bless you as you give. Thank you guys so much for watching the broadcast today. I'll see you guys Wednesday at 9 a.m. I love you guys. Mwah. for a miracle. Mm. Are you ready for a miracle? Come on, are you ready? Ready, ready, ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for a miracle? Jesus taught the lame to walk, destroy the devil's plan. Healed the leper, fed 5,000 with just one command. Said he who has Blessed be the ones who thirst, and blessed be the meek. Are you ready?